you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Well, hi, this is Dan Miller. We've got a lot to cover today, a lot of interesting things. We've got a little music. You know, we just had an event here with some artistic people, a whole bunch of artistic people, had an absolute blast. And it just, when we have an event like that, it stimulates my creativity, gives me all kinds of new ideas about things that I can do. I love being around creative people. So we're going to be talking about some of the questions that come from you the listeners, real life questions about this thing we call work. You know, sometimes I hear people who want to segment their lives. Well, yeah, on the weekends, that's when I reuse my creativity. That's when I really enjoy life. But then the rest of the week, yeah, I'm just making a paycheck. Give me a break. How can you just segment out the biggest thing you spend your time doing and just kind of imply that, well, it's not significant. You just do that to be a responsible provider for your family. No, not enough. Now at the event, well, let me tell you some of the questions we're going to be talking about today, and then I'll tell you a couple of things that happened here. But here's some of the questions. How can we raise our children to embrace their uniqueness? Wow. We could stop and park there all day long, but I want to talk about that a little bit. Somebody read Wisdom Meets Passion that I wrote with my son, Jared, and obviously got a glimpse of some of the uniqueness of Jared. How do we embrace that? Dan, I'm learning more and having less success. What's wrong? Someone says, by the time I get four kids to bed, I'm not alert enough to read. I love nutrition and singing. Which should I do? Now, someone asks, how successful is cold calling by phone when trying to establish or expand your client base? Can you still do that in today's environment? Use a phone just to call people? And somebody wants to know, is it practical for me to pursue my dream at age 42 in a new field? Too late. I'm too old. At 42. Well, we'll talk about that. Here's our quotation for the day. It comes from Albert Einstein. He said, everybody is a genius, but if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it will live its whole life believing that it is stupid. Now, I chose that very specifically because we're going to talk a little bit about raising kids. If you've got a kid that's not a fish and you try to force him to swim, you're going to be frustrated and so is he or she. So that's another issue. Now, we we have a lot of things going on. I usually try to share some great things that are happening, and there are lots of great things happening. Uh, This week, I've gotten multiple manuscripts from people. Now, most of these people are in 48days.net. You hear us talk about that. It's a community of people who really are taking their ideas and bringing them to life, birthing businesses, doing unique things. But the writers are just exploding in there. Two of the manuscripts I got this week, one from Court McCracken on Art Nurture. It's about how to release your creativity. It's just a delightful book that I think she can enhance a little bit with some visuals in there, but have a lot of fun with. Got one from Dr. Richard Seymour. Now, he's been here at our events, but he has written a book. Now, this is a medical book, Stop the Headache, but I think it's going to be a game changer for the medical community because it's so revolutionary in one particular area of having pain, how maladjustments in your mouth can cause all kinds of physical maladies other places. But, I mean, this is a group of people who don't just dream and imagine, they act. Trust me. Now, we just had our Innovate event here, the first event of its kind. It was over the top. 
in terms of what, what happened, the things. We, we ended up with a Shark Tank, our own version of Shark Tank. It was a hoot. Had people like Chuck Bowen, Pierce Mars, Devin Gino, and myself who were on the panel. We had we chose five participants out of the group, gave them the opportunity to present their idea. We had stacks of play money to invest, and we had a blast just asking them questions about how refined their idea was. You know, you got to have more than passion. You got to have more than a dream. Got to no, no more than just what it is that you do well if you're going to turn that into a viable business. So we had fun doing that. Now, one of the people here was Jim Anderson from up in Illinois. Jim submitted a podcast question a couple of months ago, and he is an arborist. He's a certified arborist, so he understands trees, works in a major park up in Illinois, but he describes himself as an aesthetic pruner. And I was so blown away by the term and the things I saw on his website. I said, Jim, come down. I'll comp you in to the event we're having if you'll stay over on Saturday and walk my 10 acres with me and give me ideas for things I can do here. Well, he did, we did, and now I've got a full uh, report from him on things to do. Just really cool things, like where he, he says, Dan, you've got this archway that's the entrance to a trail. You can really enhance it by having something of color on either side. So it really draws attention as a focal point. And then back in the trail, when you're going back through the woods, there are things that are destination points. There's one area where there's this real elevated section of rocks that it's just a beautiful stopping point. He said, if we took on the back side and had some flowering bushes, it would give more of a visual focal point there. So I've got all these things, but I, this is the kind of art that we were talking about. So we're not just talking about somebody who has a canvas and paints. We're talking about people who have their art in whatever it is. One guy was a, a software developer. Um, he, he develops apps. He's doing some apps in the music industry that are just amazing. But he was one of our Shark Tank participants, and we grilled him. But I think he's got, you know, I think he's going to be making millions of dollars on his apps that he is building currently. But these are the different kind of things that we were looking at as we explored people's art and how to put legs on that. Yeah, we had great speakers. I mean, we had Michael Hyatt speak on platform. Leanne Vanessa Lentz did a magic presentation and talked about their own stupendous rise in that industry, going from you know getting a hundred bucks a night at a birthday party to getting fifteen thousand dollars a day doing corporate presentations. Um, we skyped in with Chad Jeffers, who is a lead guitarist with Carrie Underwood. They happened to be in Quebec at the time, so we skyped him in and talked about how do you make it in the music industry. Just cool stuff are going on all around us. Uh, speaking of music, I got a note this week from some gals who got Wisdom Meets Passion, my latest book. We sent them out in a four-pack that was one of the options. I think it still is a four pack with four Ubuntu medallions. Well, it sparked an idea for these gals to start their own business. They did. One of the things that unites them is loving the music of Gloria Estefan. Remember her Miami sound machine, Gloria Estefan. Well, anyway, they met with her last week in Miami, gave her a copy of wisdom meets passion and an Ubuntu medallion and have a picture of her with that on. She loved it. Put it on right away. I mean, just fun stuff. I just got a note from my publisher that Wisdom Meets Passion is being translated into Russian. Thinking, oh my gosh, how cool is that? Be able to go to Russia and see it on the, the shelves over there. But when, when you're connected with 
people who are creative, it just there's just no end for the things you can open yourself up to and see how to expand your own creativity. Now, I'm gonna, there's, I've got another one here. This is kind of a success report, and then we'll go into the questions, and we're going to talk about how to raise kids to embrace their uniqueness. But this comes from Luann Clark. Luann says, Dear Dan, I'm a survivor of major depression who wants to help others overcome depression and anxiety. This is a thank you note for everything I've learned from you. I've been a fan for a long time, and I consider you my mentor, even though we've only met once very briefly. Thanks in part to your encouragement. I've launched a blog and a podcast, and I'm working on a book. I know you're probably too busy to listen, but I wanted you to know that I gave you a shout out in my most recent podcast episode about gratitude. I'm deeply grateful for your books and your outreach through your blog and your podcast. I'm able to make a difference for others because of the difference you made for me. Now, I I love when somebody takes action. I mean, I obviously, I didn't do much here, but something about listening or reading has helped Luann say, I can do this, even as a, major, a survivor of major depression. Now, I did go. Yes, I am busy. I, uh, I'm, I'm saying no to, you know, invitations to speak, to lunches, uh, to interviews, and a whole lot of things right now because I'm working on a manuscript the revision of 48 Days to the Work You Love that's due June 1st. So I'm really blocking everything out so I'm not hitting anything on. But yes, I didn't go and listen to your podcast. Nice opening. I like the nice opening that you've got. You're very clear and articulate. No stumbles, no uhs, no filler words like actually or basically. You know, just really nice. And you you had that cool little introduction of uh, Bruce's music in there. And I love the fact that you say, at the end, the world doesn't change, you do. That's a gorgeous little mantra to hang on to. The world doesn't change, you too. But hey, just to confirm to you, Luann, that yeah, I in fact did listen to your podcast. Check this out. And I also want to thank a mentor who doesn't even know he's my mentor, a gentleman named Dan Miller. Dan Miller is a writer. He's also a podcaster, and I never miss Dan Miller's podcast. It is one of the things I am so grateful for in my life. His podcast is called 48 Days to Work You Love. Now, I'm not really looking for the work I love. I think that I've found the work that I love, but Dan, every week, is inspiring. He's motivating. He's uplifting. He is relentlessly optimistic, and I appreciate that so much. He has mentored me, even though we've only met once and very briefly. I went to one of his open houses at his office, which he calls the sanctuary, and I doubt that Dan even remembers meeting me. I certainly don't think I did anything to make a big impression on him, but his encouragement through that podcast has meant so much to me. And so I want to give a shout out and say thank you to Dan Miller and recommend his podcast as well. Well, thank you, Luann, for that shout out in your podcast. Now, let me comment on this a little bit. I see a lot of people who begin at a starting point and as they have success, they move up some very quickly And all of a sudden, their fees are astronomical, and they no longer have time to talk to people who are just starting out. And I think you got to be kidding me. I mean, I challenged somebody just recently on that. I said, who got you where you are? You know, how can you just turn your back 
on all of those people, you totally change your market, the people that you're addressing now. I don't want to do that. Now, I've had opportunities to you know, spend time with people who are very successful, and I certainly value that. But just as this example, you know, Luann, starting a podcast, a very first podcast, I love it when somebody takes action and does that. I check a lot of those things out where, you know, I give brief feedback to people about what they're doing. I think we need to remember that as our own success continues, that it's not just a matter of, you know, moving up and away from, you know, people who are now starting out. I mean, I've spent my life, I mean, helping people start out has served me very well. And I don't want to move away from that. I want to continue that. So I like to have the opportunity to encourage people who are starting something new. Well, Steve from San Diego, this is a question I alluded to last week right at the end and at the beginning today. He says, Dan, I regularly enjoy your podcast, 48 Days and Mondays, 48 Days No More Mondays, Wisdom Meets Passion have been invaluable as I strive to live out my calling. I have three young kids, 7, 10, and 12. My question is this. How do I help or not hinder them discover and develop their passions and unique God-given abilities? I want to do whatever I can to avoid imposing my ideas and opinions on them and help them navigate the opinions and suggestions, often well-meaning, of others. In Wisdom Meets Passion, you talk about raising Jared in a way that allowed him to develop his uniqueness. I think it would be awesome if you wrote a book to help parents do the same. Well, Steve, thanks for your question. I'm not sure that I'll write a book, but I certainly have a lot. God, I've got a lot of opinions about that. I mean, that that is a hot spot with me because I have three children, as you do. They, they're all very different, as I'm sure you've experienced already with yours. So I have an older son, Kevin, and then Jared was our middle child, and then Ashley is our daughter. She's the youngest. Now, with Jared, and as you got glimpses of in Wisdom Meets Passion, Jared um, was a challenging child, let's say, at every step of the way. But when he was in about the fourth grade in school, we realized this was not going to work. He was acting, Jared doesn't read well. He doesn't comprehend in the way that the classroom expects a child to. And he started acting out, you know, getting in trouble. And so we realized this wasn't going to work. Now, were we devastated? Did we think that Jared somehow was going to be a failure? No, we recognized that he learns in other ways. So we recognized when he was very young that he learned best by hearing. So we used that forever with Jared. Jared is now 35, incidentally. But we started having him listen to Zig Ziglar CDs. I mean, that was their our children, not just Jared, but our children, other children as well, that was their discipline. Where if they needed to be corrected, we would have them spend 10 minutes listening to a Ziegler CD. We would call, we call it an attitude adjustment. We did that a lot with our kids. And it's funny now, years later, to hear them do the same thing with their children. We need an attitude adjustment. But we'd have, we would have them listen. But the listening paid off in big ways with Jared. He continues to, the books, that, the books that he wants to have access to, he listens to rather than reads. But we would listen to our children and see what is it that engages them. I mean, we used materials like Zig or See You at the Top as part of their curriculum. We then chose to homeschool 
actually two of our children at that point. Kevin did go through traditional schooling, um, but uh, the two younger ones we homeschooled, and we would use things like see you at the top as part of their curriculum. But we had to identify what is it that gives, that connects with them. And we, w- we wanted our children to focus on exposure to a lot of things, not particularly mastery at an early age, but just exposure to a lot of things. So we would travel and go places. We wanted to focus on their strengths and potential, not weaknesses. Now, that's an interesting kind of thing because we see that even as adults. Now, in No More Mondays, I talk about the fact that as adults, we spend too much time working on our weaknesses. And so we end up with a lot of mediocre things that we do because all we do is try to make our weaknesses better. That's not really a good plan. If I know that I'm really weak in finances and accounting, I could spend a whole lot of time trying to get better at that or on web design, you know, understanding web code and those things. I don't do that. I have people around me who do that way better than I could ever possibly do. So I just focus on what it is I do really well. And I say in in No More Mondays, work where you're strongest 80% of the time, work where you're learning 15% of the time, work where you are weak 5% of the time. I think that's a good model. So we were looking for at our children. Where are their strengths? Now, we all know the verse, Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, will not depart from it. And we misuse that a lot as parents because we cram things down our kids' throats and drag them to church four times a week and think that we're doing what that verse says. What the verse really says in a more original translation, we could read, train up a child in the way that he or she is bent. And when he's old, he'll not depart from it. So our challenge as parents is to figure out how is this child uniquely gifted? Now, when we have a lot of generational expectations in our culture where we expect every generation to move up academically and socioeconomically, what happens to the son or daughter of a cardiologist, you know, a heart surgeon, if they're really gifted as a carpenter or they want to be a UPS truck driver? Can we help them be excellent in doing that or are we going to artificially force them to move up? Well, I've made a very good living helping those people who at 45 realize they're living somebody else's dream, not their own. And we redirect. So we want to avoid that with our children. I would get into, you know, Jared's head by watching him and listening to him. I I remember one time we came home, he had a bonus room in the downstairs part of our house where we were living at the time. And he had put, he had got black paper and put it on all the walls, black paper covered the, all the walls and he had this little dim light in there and he'd lay on his bed, you know, looking at magazines or whatever, this one little dim light. And I thought, my gosh, you know, this kid's getting into the Gothic phase or something with all black, but we paid attention. Why would he do that? We had him tested soon thereafter and realized that his brain doesn't process light in the same way as other kids. So fluorescent lights, as an example, is very, very disorienting to him. It's like on off, on off, on off. It's, it's like it's pulsating. And putting the black up was a way to control the light so that it really helped him focus and concentrate. But if we would have just seen that on the surface, we go, hey, you're not going to happen in my house. You're not getting into that gothic stuff. No, it wasn't that at all. We just had to pay attention. Now, did we want Jared to understand mechanics and mathematics and physics and all those things? Yeah. When he was 14 years old, I bought a 1968 Volkswagen Carmen Ghia. We pulled it in the garage. A year and a half later, we backed it out. 
and put it on the road. For a year and a half, we worked on that. We sanded. We used Bondo. We we took all the glass out, put new rubber around all the glass. We pulled the engine, worked on the engine, put a killer stereo system in it. Ultimately, we painted it Porsche Guards red. We did all that together. Now, do you think that he learned a little bit about mechanics, mathematics, physics, and all those things we want? Yeah, but he learns by doing, not by sitting in a chair reading a book. We, uh, one time I remember when I was going to speak in New York, being homeschooling, our kids gave us a lot of options, obviously to teach them in unique ways, but we wanted to make every trip a learning experience. So I was going to be speaking in New York. So on the way up there, we stayed with a Mennonite family. He used to be an Amish bishop in Pennsylvania. Now there's actually a book out there with my Mennonite roots I have access to it. It's called Mennonite Your Way, where you can stay with Mennonite families anywhere you want to in the world. And so we did. We just booked a couple interesting things. Well this guy, not only had he been an Amish bishop, but in his retirement he made brooms. So we spent the night with them, just a delightful couple. And the next morning he got up and made brooms for Ashley and Jared. Just little ones, small ones. But I mean you think about the memorable experience that that created for them. They'll never forget that. Then we went on up in upstate New York. I was speaking in New York City, but in upstate New York, we spent three days at a Hooterite colony. Now, there's only two colonies in the United States, but these are people that live in community. They live essentially in dormitories, and the women take care of the training of the kids, schooling, and the men. That that one had a toy manufacturing company. But they live in community rather than as individual families. Well, it was an interesting experience, a learning experience. We would do that again and again and again. Our kids grew up, you know, even our boys, they knew a lot of home ec skills. I mean, both of my sons are amazing cooks. Jared loves cooking. I didn't get that in school. I didn't learn that. So he got exposure to a lot of things that were not traditional academic courses, but we wanted him to have exposure to them. We focused on modeling. You know, find people who are performing at the level which you want to perform. Model their behavior. Now, it doesn't have to be just mom and dad. Certainly, we wanted to be models, but we wanted to expose them to other people as well. So we introduced them to people. And if they're interested in music, we'll introduce you to people who are doing really well in music. If you're interested in automotive things, well, we'll do that. If you're interested in people who fish, and you, you, we'll introduce you to people to do that. So we did a lot of that, introducing them to people. And then also, I mean, we, we taught them some of the basics, just personal skills, the, the power of relationships. But respect, one of the things that made our sons uh, high targets for girls is that they treat women with respect. I mean, you'll never see one of my sons, you know, drive up, toot his horn and say, hey, gal, let's go, you know, jump in. no. My sons are going to come up to the door, greet the mom or dad, yes, sir, no, ma'am, and walk the girl down and open the door. Well, when they, they've seen their dad do that, I mean, to this day, I mean, I do that for Joanne. If we walk out of the house, out to the carport, I open the door for her. My sons learn those basic principles, personal skills. But that, that gave them an overview. And I don't want to just go on. I love talking about this. And we do get a lot of inquiries about the way that our children turned out. They're very different, but they're, they're, they all, we consider them amazing successes, each one in their own right, because of the uniqueness that we allowed to have them develop. 
Well, let me move on here. The next question. Tell you what, well, I'm doing a little transition here, finding out where I am. How about this? Let's pick this up. Remember who I mentioned a little earlier is wearing a Wisdom Meets Passion medallion? Well, yeah, that is Gloria Estefan. I had to had to pull that up. Some of her old songs been around a long time. I went back and looked at some of the things she has done. I mean, millions and millions and millions of albums of hers have been sold. Obviously, popular in the uh, Hispanic community as well as here. But uh, just one of those been around a long time. Well, Stephen says Stephen from uh, Florida says Dan, love your show. Currently, have your books. No more Mondays. Forty eight days. I'm excited. To implement those, I've been doing a lot of soul searching. I've come to the conclusion that my calling is to be in direct marketing. I've always loved marketing since I was 14. I'm currently 20. I've spent a lot of time and money in books, audio programs, etc. to learn more about it. I'd love to make it a career, but I don't exactly have any real life experience. But I'm certain I can help a lot of businesses grow with the knowledge I have acquired after all these years of research. <laughs> all these years of research, 20 years old. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, what would you suggest I do to make my calling a reality? Thanks. Well, Stephen, if you can sell, you can land on your feet anywhere. I mean, every organization out there is looking for people who understand and are passionate about direct marketing. Choose your industry. Identify 30 to 40 companies where there would be a potential match and begin your contacts. Now, you can be really creative as a sales guy. I mean, you can be really creative about how you present yourself. Show people that you have sales pizzazz. And I've had people who wrap their resume around an ear of corn and send it out and said, you know, I'm sure you think this is corny, but just give me your ear. You know, oh, shucks. I mean, all those plays on what a near corn is and, and get opportunities just because they're different. They do something remarkable. I mean, just this week, I, I did a blog about a kid who put himself up on Amazon as a product. Now, think about it. You go to Amazon, it describes a product. It has a buy now button. He put himself up on Amazon as a product. He's a web developer and manager. So he described what he did, his background, put himself up there in eight days that had over 1.3 million unique visitors, 39,000 Facebook likes over 1100 emails, over 800 LinkedIn connection requests. I mean, 20 or 2000 Twitter mentions and 704 different referring domains. Do you think he had job offers? Yeah. He was inundated with job offers 
All he did was create himself as a product, put it up on Amazon. If you go there now, it says currently unavailable. Not sure when this product will be back in stock. (laughs) Well, he took it down because he was getting so many contacts. But I mean, just think about something you can do that makes you remarkable. Now, as a sales guy, I mean, I know people who interview for salespeople. They want to know, is this person really a salesperson? So I know one guy here that interviews salespeople, and this is the way it'll go. So he has you in, you know, on Friday afternoon. He says, Steve, man, you're a go-getter. I can tell that you're really going to rock and roll with our company. Um, We're going to be thrilled to have you on board. Tell you what, you call me on Monday, and we'll just set up what our next step is. Boy, over the weekend, you're going to tell people, geez, you know, this is in the bag. I'm going to do this with this company. Monday, you call, no response. I mean, nothing, no response. Well, Tuesday, you call again, and nothing. You can't get a hold of the guy, no response. And you think, ah, shoot. You know, he probably saw somebody on Friday afternoon he liked better. You know, I'm toast. I might as well move on. No, the interviewer purposely waits three times to see if you're persistent enough to get back through. So he does a purposeful setup like that, but then he waits three times to see, are you a salesperson or are you not? What are you going to do when somebody says, gee, no, I'm going to think about it. Are you going to go back? I mean, we know most sales presentations are maybe between the fifth and seventh exposure, fifth and seventh. So all he's doing is seeing, are you going to be persistent enough to get through where other people are going to drop off the wagon? So go out there, rock and roll, have fun. I love selling, but with selling, you'll never go hungry. Uh, Just get out there and find something you believe in and knock it out of the park. Brent from Atlanta says, I started listening to podcasts and reading 48 Days type literature, Ziegler, Robbins, Hyatt, Pressfield, et cetera, et cetera, at the end of 2009. Now listen to this. This is, this is kind of tricky. While I feel I know a lot more and I've taken a few action steps, I'm worse off financially and in greater confusion career-wise. I know content consumption doesn't equal success. At the same time, I feel like the same wisdom and action plans I'm using to help colleagues and friends should help me get traction in either my sales career or in finding a better fit. My question is this. What are common reasons why content consumers don't get traction? Or how do you recommend someone putting content action or filtering it for better effectiveness? Wow, that, that's, th- this has a lot of meat in it, Brent, your question. You're reading a lot, listening, but you don't see it really adding to your own personal success. Now, there's a quotation that, of mine that I'm going to throw in here, and that is this. Success is never an accident. It typically starts as imagination, becomes a dream, stimulates a goal, grows into a plan of action, which then inevitably meets with opportunity. Don't get stuck along the way. Now, the biggest reason people just consume content and nothing changes is there's no action. The difference between knowledge and wisdom is the application Knowledge does little to change our lives without strategic action. So if you're reading or if if you're in sales and you read Ziegler's classic secrets of closing the sale, it should give you five tips you can use today to increase your sales success. If you read Mike Hyatt's platform, you should pick up five methods for building your platform you can use today. I mean, there's no delay in between knowing and the application. It's immediate. Now, the only exception to this would be if you're really redirecting careers. 
If you're doing that, yeah, there may be a slight pause in getting something new going. But really, if you're reading, learning, listening, and taking action, the results should be pretty immediate. Are there things that we do that you try and maybe it doesn't work out? Oh, yeah. I mean, don't worry about that. You've heard me talk enough about failure to know I view it differently than most. It's part of the learning process. So there are things, I mean, just just this week, I pulled a plug on something I was doing. I was really excited about it. We were going to have little one-minute audio clips on radio stations across the country. Across the country, we're going to have these. There are companies that do this. They syndicate your little radio clip. And what you do is they put it on essentially as a PSA, public service announcement. And then when they do that, then they give you a 30-second slot where you can do something to actually promote a product. Now, this has a lot to do with, you know, name recognition. And, you know, stations make decisions slowly, I recognize. But we did this for four months. The company that was doing this did this for four months. In four months, we had one station, a little station in the middle of Wisconsin that probably has three listeners that was that had agreed to take that on. Well, I was blown away. I mean, I thought we'd have 80 or 100 stations at that point. And so I talked to the guy. I mean, we had a one-year contract with a 30-day opt-out, and I exercised my opt-out. I said, this just isn't moving fast enough. He says, well, what do you expect? And I told him, and he says, oh, that's probably not going to happen. You know, it takes longer. I said, well, you know, to be honest with you, there's just not enough traction here to get my attention. With what we're doing, with the interviews that I do, podcasting, and all the things, you know, speaking that I do, I said, I've got a lot more traction in other areas. This just isn't working. I'm going to pull the plug. Now, it cost me about three grand, I guess, to all said and done to, to do that. That's okay. Just... Back up and go. So are there things that you learn in your reading, listening, that you implement and don't get positive results? Well, I hope so. If, if you don't, you aren't pushing enough. You aren't stretching enough. I mean, there ought to be things that you try and they don't work well. If you're always successful, you know, you're not stretching enough. So, but, but get in the game. You know, make sure that you're taking action on those things. That you're not just, um, don't be like the cobbler's son who has no shoes. You know, don't be just teaching other people how to increase their own success and not be doing it yourself. Make sure that you're spending time, again, with high achievers. That you're hanging around people who are already having success in the areas where you want success. You'll learn a lot from them as well as from the reading that you're doing. Jim from Detroit says, Dan, I noticed, uh, well, I noticed a book on Amazon called Grill Marketing for Writers. Thought you might be interested. I've read several others in the series and they're great. Yes, they are. I've got tons of the Grill Marketing books. Uh, J. Conrad Levinson, uh, they're all good. Now, uh, Jim says, there's my question. By the time I get four kids to bed, I'm not alert enough to read. My work commute is filled with podcasts like yours. How can I work reading new books into my life? I have an ever-growing queue of books I'd like to read, but can't find the time to fit them in. Do you have any suggestions? Yeah, now you already said that your work commute is filled with podcasts. That's great. That's something that a lot of people don't do. Teaching a class right now, and last night we had the discussion in the class where a gal was saying, well, she has an hour commute both ways. And I said, what are you doing with that time? Well, nothing. You know, she's just listening to, you know, rock and roll music, chewing gum for the brain. I've heard it referred to. 
she could use that time two hours a day. Do you know the wealth of information you could take in if you're listening to podcasts and great books there? So just keep listening. If you're using your commute time, you can probably be getting more content than most people ever get. There's no right amount of books to read. Yeah, I love reading. I mean, but I talk to people who set a goal to read one book a month. I mean, that's 12 a year and it revolutionized their lives. I mean, I love hearing stories like that. Now, I read 74 books last year, but this year I'll probably do half of that. I don't know, maybe less. I mean, I, I don't have big numbers there. It just happened that a lot of things fell in place, but this year is a heavy writing year for me. So it's different than last year. So don't, don't beat yourself up. Now, what I would encourage you to do is do a time budget. Start with 168 hours, decide in advance how you're going to use those. If you see big holes where you're doing other things that are not important, then by all means, convert that time to time for reading. But with full-time work and four kids, now may not be the season in your life for a lot of additional reading. I mean, life is an ongoing process. It's not an assignment where we get everything done and then we just coast. Just take this season as one chapter in your life. That sounds like you're doing a lot of right things as you can work them in. Just, just raise those four kids. Man, that's, there's nothing that competes with the importance of that. Lutomia from Chicago says, I'm a young dietitian and I'm halfway through getting my master's in nutrition which I'm paying for out of pocket, I decided to pursue a master's to have a deeper understanding of nutrition to better help my clients, patients. I really like being a dietitian, inspiring and helping others. I also really love singing, writing songs and performing even more than being a dietitian. I feel like singing. There are ways I can express myself that I can't as a dietitian. Sometimes I just want to let go of nutrition to pursue music full time. After investing the time and money for my education and career nutrition, would it even be wise to consider letting it go to do music full-time or is it possible for one to have a dual career? Well, I think you're, I think you're sitting on top of something that could make you absolutely extraordinary. And this is one of those where I would say do both. I know a lot of people who sing and write songs and perform and they're starving to death, but I don't know a whole lot of dietitians who are known for their singing. I mean, what if you were a dietitian who sings I mean, what if you did that as a way to make you remarkable? You're not just one more dietitian. You are that one who sings. I mean, create a unique niche for yourself by combining the two things that you love. I would encourage you to look at that. Look at the possibilities there. I mean, I love these things that are uncommon combinations, uncommon things that you bring together. I mean, how could you do that? How could you sing and be a dietitian. I think there's all kinds of creative possibilities there that would make you stand out from the crowd. That's what I would recommend. Well, this is Dan Miller, and this is the 48 Days Online radio show. This is time each week where I go through the questions submitted by you, the readers. Yeah, real-life questions. Love going through those. I consider this one of the high points of my week. If you want to submit a question, go to 48days.com. Click on the podcast link. You're going to see a place there where you can leave a question. Be happy to consider that for an upcoming show. Mark says, Dan, how successful is cold calling when trying to establish or expand your client base? I have purchased a business plan from an individual on how to start a service business. The target market is already established. Oh, the target market is already established businesses. And the contact method is cold calling on the telephone. 
using a certain script and a list purchased from a list provider like Dun & Bradstreet. Keep up the good work. Your podcast is always number one on my computer. Well, thanks, Mark. Now, do I think you can still do cold calling today? Yes, absolutely. Do I think it's the only thing you can do? No. And I think you got to do four or five things that you do, not to the exclusion of just one, but four or five things. It is more challenging today to do cold calling because of phone screeners, voicemail, and so on. It's hard to get through to decision makers than it used to be. But do I think it can still work? Yeah, absolutely. This, when we just had our Innovate event here, Lee Lentz is a magician that I talked about. Well, when he was starting out, nobody knew him. I mean, he was doing birthday parties a couple times a month. I mean, as a magician. But he really wanted to do this. He dedicated six hours a day, five days a week, to cold calling. He just got on a phone. He called organizations, event planners, conference organizers, anybody, six hours a day. You think that opened some doors for him? That's why today he's so busy, he can't take time to breathe. He's highly regarded in that arena because he was relentless. Now, he also did things like just go to a trade show, uninvited, unannounced. And he'd, he'd walk up to somebody who had a booth where they're trying to get people to come in and say, hey, you know, what if I did kind of some magic here just to draw some eyeballs, get some people looking over this way? Would you be open to that? Well, yeah, go ahead, whatever. Well, boom, all of a sudden he's got 30 people there that are captivated. And then he says, incidentally, while you're standing here, you know, check out this new software from my buddy Steve here. Well, he, he started, I mean, he would literally go in unannounced, uninvited, do that. And he'd have other vendors coming over saying, hey, I'll give you a thousand bucks to come over to my booth and draw a crowd like that. That's how he started doing that. Just getting out there. There's all kinds of ways. Last night, I gave out copies of a new book called 20,000 Days and Counting. It's a new book by Robert Smith. Robert Smith is the manager for Andy Andrews, well-known New York Times bestselling author, The Traveler's Gift, The Noticer, and lots and lots of other books. Robert is his manager, and Robert woke up one morning and just in calculation realized that he had lived 20,000 days, and he thought, man, that ought to be significant. And so he wrote a book on that. Now, my point is this. Robert and Andy were high school buddies. When they graduated from high school, Andy said, I want to be a comedian. I want to speak, do gigs at university campuses, but I don't know how to do that. Robert, why don't you help me out? You be my business manager. And Robert, I mean, a high school kid, he's like, hey, I don't know anything more about it than you do, but tell you what, I'll do it. I'll help you out until you find somebody better that can actually do it. Well, that was 33 years ago, and they're still doing it together. In those early days, Robert would pick up the phone and call universities. He told me that he never called 30 in a row without booking Andy at least once. Well, that's pretty cool information to know. And I don't care what the numbers are. If you know that you can't call 30 without booking one, boom, what if you call 30 every day? That means you're going to book him once a day. I mean, that's amazing results. Today, a lot of people just are reluctant to do that. They, oh, no, I don't want to pick up the phone. I don't want to have to call people directly. I want to just, you know, send a mailing piece and hope they call me. Well, lots of luck with that. Now, cold calling absolutely can work today. David from Toronto says, Dan, I'm a new pod, new listener to your podcast. Love your wisdom, encouragement, insight. Since migrating to Canada in 1998, 
I'm finally free to pursue my career. I'm great with people. I love helping, serving, and encouraging people. And apparently, I'm also good in public speaking. I won the Outstanding Achievement Award from Dale Carnegie in public speaking. Man, that's a cool deal. I want to pursue my career in HR, human resources, and I know I will do well. Here's my question. I'm 39, and by the time I finish my certificate, I'll be 42 in this highly competitive marketplace. Is is it a bit late for me? My end goal is to own my own placement agency in 10 years. Is it practical for me to pursue my dream at this age in this field? Thanks. Well, David, yes, it's practical for you to pursue it. But see, I don't really care if you want to be an HR or if you want to be a dentist or an attorney or a craftsman or an artist my gosh, you're 39 years old and you're wondering about something that's going to take you three years to have credentialing in. I mean, those three years are going to go by in a blink of an eye. Would you rather be 42 and have that behind you where you then are positioned to do what you really have dreamed of doing or to be 42 and still not have a clear handle? And my, my goodness, you know, you're going to have another 50 years of just kind of wandering around. You don't want that. I mean, this process of figuring out what we are really good at is an ongoing process. This is not something we make a decision when we're 18 and then it's a done deal. You're a candidate to do things now. Let's say that you're 42 years old. You are a candidate to do things now that you were not a candidate for 20 years ago. You weren't a candidate for 10 years ago. Things change. Your personal development, what you're prepared and positioned for is different now. Sometimes I cringe when I hear people brag about the fact they've been at the same company for 20 years. And I'm thinking, ooh, have you kept up with the times? Have you, you know, looked at opportunities that may be a better fit for you now than what you were doing the same thing 20 years ago? I mean, I, I love change. I had a situation just this morning where I surprised some people by announcing that I was changing. Because I think change can be invigorating. It can open new doors for us. But certainly this process of defining our best talents. I mean, let's take what I do as a life coach. I could not be a life coach with any credibility when I'm 25. Frankly, I'm not sure I could at 35. One of the writers who influenced me heavily when I was a student was Carl Jung, German psychoanalyst contemporary of Sigmund Freud. And he said, you know, it's unrealistic to just go to school, read books and come out and say, you're a therapist. How could you confidently be a therapist when all you've done is just read books? He said, what you need to do is have a variety of life experiences. And it doesn't matter if you run a whale boat or are a greeter at Walmart, you get a variety of life experiences where then at about age 45, you can start to bring those together and then competently be a therapist, coach or counselor. I took that very seriously as part of my life plan. So what was that about 45 years old that I brought together the variety of things that I had done up to that point and positioned myself as a coach. And it's worked wonderfully. The way I draw on those varied things that I did prior to that time are tremendous assets for making me comfortable and hopefully competent as a coach. So this is not a just figure it out and then you're done. This is a, if you are doing this, if you're going to be an HR at 42, think about what you're going to be capable of being prepared to be at 52. You at that point may be tapped on the shoulder to be CEO of a major corporation. If you really understand what happens in HR and do that effectively, 
I mean, that could realistically happen. So expect this to be an unfolding process. I mean, we know this thing we call success is not a destination. It's a direction. So we can have a lot of things show up, even unexpected things on that process, that journey, since we are in the, going in the right direction. So the direction, we are concerned about the destination, not so much, because new things will show up on the horizon. I love the things that are new and unexpected opportunities. And certainly in today's world, we're all, all having a chance to get a glimpse into those. Well, as you know, I love this time of talking together. You know, the responses that I get from you as real people like Lou Ann at the beginning and others that I hear from during the week. I value those. Love to hear your stories of success, the things that you're doing. You know, go over to the podcast link at 48days.com or on iTunes. Leave your comments. I can scan through those and get ideas and other ways to connect with you. Yeah, I love to promote new things that you're doing. Let me know on those as well. But be confident. This is an ongoing, exciting process where you, like a lot of other people, figuring out how to either find or create work that is meaningful, purposeful, productive, and profitable. Don't settle for less. Don't think you're being responsible by doing something you don't enjoy. No, you're burying the very best that you have to offer. Unpack that. Blend that into what you do daily. You'll never regret it. Have a great week.